Don't say if I were you Or tell me what to do How things would be if you were in my shoes Cause you're a failure But so am I, so that's that's not a problem What is a problem is, is my singing is getting worse all the time <sighs> Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of You Have Failed Some More with me, Sam Vader. The bonus episode to You Have Failed. Obviously the main episode this week was on the rivalry between Yugi and Kaiba. So I've chosen this week's bonus episode to focus on the main man himself. The man, the myth, the Seto Kaiba. As some of you may have known from my little rendition of you... Uh, You're Not Me from the Yu-Gi-Oh! Pyramid of Light movie and that took far too many takes to actually get done. So, this week on the bonus episode, we're talking about Kaiba, we're talking about why I love him so much and, well, let's we can get straight to the point here, guys. I love Kaiba so much because he's a douchebag and he loves the blue-eyes white dragon. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, yeah, because that's that's it. Um, we're done. Yeah, we're we're done. No, what, what do you mean we're not? Done? What do you mean we're not done? I'm being told we're not done. Apparently, um, concluding after a minute of you know giving my reasons, having a little sing song, and then saying why I like him, I'm, I'm getting shaky heads in in the corner saying I I'm uh, that's not in my contract. Um, so uh, I guess I have to uh carry 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 on yeah cool we're carrying carrying on guys the reasons i love kaiba are because he's a douchebag and he's got a blue eyes white dragon but let me elaborate on that yay no i'm I'm joking i'm joking I'm, i'm more than happy to elaborate on that because there are not many characters in fiction that i do love more than seto kaiba there might be only one more maybe a few dancing around but Seto Kaiba is definitely up there, probably in, in the top three, most likely second of my all-time favourite fictional characters. And to understand why I like him so much, I suppose first we need to go into more my preferences. As I'm sure you know, if you've listened to the Star Wars-themed episodes, my favourite fictional character of all times is Darth Vader. So that sets a precedent for the characters I like being, you know, evil or a bit of a douchebag. And other characters I like, you know, the likes of Vegeta or your Batman. So more anti-hero, bit dickish, likely to punch you in the face type characters. And that's where Kaiba really appeals to me. Because when it comes to fictional douchebags, there's no one better. As said very rightly in the Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged episode 1. Screw the rules, I have money. Which is basically Kaiba's approach to everything. But considering we're talking about Kaiba and why he's so fantastic... Maybe a bit more of his character background would help to understand why he grew up to became the douchebag we all know and love today. So to start the story on a very happy note, his parents were in a car crash. Uh, so him and his younger brother Mokuba were orphaned at a very young age. I believe he was around seven, eight, maybe a bit younger when he was orphaned. And he went to this orphanage with his brother Mokuba. And Mokuba is the one person he's always remained very close with. And it's at this point that he decided he needed to toughen up to protect his younger brother. So he developed quite an already quite stern and tough demeanour to make sure his younger brother was always safe from bullies in the orphanage and just other people in general and the horrors of the outside world. But that didn't change the fact that Kaiba was a child genius. There's no denying that. He was very clever and 
and he had plans whilst he was in the orphanage to build one day build a place called I'm pretty sure I don't know if they named the theme park at that point because they named it Kyberland that's a bit weird because he didn't have the surname Kyber yet but the theme parks that became Kyberland he planned in the orphanage saying that all the orphans would be allowed to go there for free and it'd be a place for you know un- underprivileged children to go and enjoy themselves that was that was his plans for uh for Kyberland so he still had a goodness inside him and Mokaba always comments that you know his brother he was always kind to him and he did have that kindness in him but as he grows up he he rarely sees Seto smile anymore which it does become a defining part of the man's personality but we still have a bit more of background to go so he's already had the uh, pleasant experience of having his parents killed in a car crash and being sent to an orphanage now you think oh it can't get much worse than that well he hears that Gozaboro Kaiba, a tyrant and head of Kaiba Corporation, a big weapons manufacturer at the time, is coming to the orphanage to do a publicity stunt. Uh, so the, the what's his name? Gozaboro Kaiba. That's his name. Jesus Christ, I said it probably a minute ago. This is all the effect of me. I'm currently playing with a comb because uh, I'm fidgeting and that's distracting me from, from the uh, character's names. So what we'll do is we'll put the comb down. And uh, you can listen to my madness in a different different light. So Gozaboro Kaiba comes to the orphanage where Kaiba, knowing that Gozaboro was a uh, chess champion, challenges Gozaboro in front of all the cameras to a chess match. And the stipulations are, if he wins the chess match, he must adopt Kaiba and Mokuba. If he if he wins, if he loses, sorry, if he if Kaiba wins, that's what happens. If Kaiba loses, nothing really happens. What what does it matter? But he knows that Gozaboro can't refuse the match because he's just been challenged by a child. He's a chess champion. If he refuses in front of all these cameras, he's gonna look stupid. So Kaiba, very confident that he can win, as say not currently a Kaiba, he's Seto insert mystery surname here. But he challenges Gozaburo to this chess match. And because Kaiba is the genius games master that he is, he uh, shockingly defeats Gozaburo. And Gozaburo happily agrees to adopt Kaiba after that point because he is realising that he is probably a worthy heir to Kaiba Corp itself. Uh, obviously, Gozaburo knows he needs a fit heir. And if someone, a child, is that intelligent enough to beat here in a chess game at only the age of, what, seven or eight, he knows that Seto Kaiba would be a fantastic heir to the Kaiba Corporation. So, Kaiba gets brought to live with Gozaburo Kaiba, along with his younger brother, Mokuba, where they both now become Seto Kaiba and Mokuba Kaiba, Kaiba being the name that the character is most known by, because in the anime, they always refer to him by his uh, surname. I think one of the only people who ever refers to him by his first name is in fact Mokuba, and actually his father, stepfather. Um, so yes, Mokuba and Seto, both now Kaibas, move into the Kaiba mansion, where immediately Gozaburo starts rigorously and basically brutally drilling Kaiba in the art of business. Restless days, restless nights... He wasn't allowed to go out and have fun. It was literally, I suppose, mental torture for a child. Constantly being forced to work and study and learn. No play, no interactions, no nothing. Which really was a shame for Kaiba because he loved games. And one event that is elaborated on in the uh, second virtual world arc 
is when there was a time where Kyber stopped, literally just kept collapsing from the exhaustion of being forced to work constantly. And uh, he wasn't even allowed to have his duel cards on him. But his brother managed to smuggle in the cards. And as Kyber was going through them, he, he found something. It was a drawing on, on a card. It was a, it was a fake card that his younger brother Mokuba had made for him. And the monster on the card was in fact the blue eyes white dragon. And it's revealed at this point that Kyber had always wanted a blue eyes. And this is obviously very evident considering his ancient Egyptian link to the blue eyes white dragon. So his brother had made him this one and given it to him, hoping that one day Seto would eventually have a real one, which obviously we know he eventually does get the three real ones. Um, and the hope would be that their the blue eyes could carry them away from their evil stepfather. But unfortunately that doesn't quite pan out the way they want, but Kyber, Kyber finds a way. So it gets to a point, I think he's about 10 or 11 at this point, and Gozboro gives Kyber about $10 million and says, uh, I'll give you this, but within a year you've got to bring me back, oh, it must have been about 10 times as much. And uh, Kyber does that within a day. And so really proves his business acumen. He basically bullies those businesses into doing it. So within about a day, he he makes the money he needed. So after that, he decides that he's going to go after Kyber Corp itself by trying to buy up 51% of the shares of the company, eventually doing it, outwitting his father and becoming the chairman of Kyber Corporation. So the arsehole starts to kick in now as he becomes, he does become the head of a massive multi-million dollar comp uh, corporation. However, he changes it to stop being a weapons manufacturer because he doesn't agree with all the violence they cause and instead be a gaming company. The very gaming company that invented the holographic technology which features so prevalently in the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. Yes, that was in fact designed by Seto Kaiba himself. So he still clearly kept his love for games and the need to make things big and extravagant. And he definitely loved things to be big and extravagant by this point. But his love for games is always still there. And eventually he does go on to build Kyberland as well. I'm, I'm not sure if he ever had the orphan plan. Because by that point I'm not sure if he was ever willing to show his heart to anyone else. But he definitely did go on to build Kyberland and to um, set up his big corporation as a gaming company and that's sort of really where we meet Seto Kaiba there's a few more things in between it but you see from his past that he was given a rough end of the stick his parents dying at a very early age and then being basically raised by this tyrant who didn't treat him right whatsoever so he he didn't really grow up with any social skills or with any friends so it makes sense that he's not friendly towards people and he is a bit antisocial and angry because he had a really rough childhood. Yes, you could argue, oh, he was brought up in luxury. But at the same time, there's being brought up in luxury, but being forced into what is essentially really hard physical and mental just punishment constantly. And that's what the song You're Not Me was written about um, for him in the Period of Light movie. This song is a very good song. I do genuinely enjoy the song You're Not Me, but I think it's Marty Bags. But... The song's fantastic. It basically goes into, you know, as the lyric said, as I sang at the beginning, don't say if I were you or tell me what you do, how things could would be if you were in my shoes, because you're not me. Because he realises that I think a lot of people just think, oh, he's Seto Kaiba, he's rich, he's got everything he could ever want. 
what's wrong with his life. And he's sort of in a, you know, he doesn't know how to make friends. He doesn't know how to, how to socialize and how to be nice because he was put through so much shit as a child. And yes, it's tragic, but it made him the best character in Yu-Gi-Oh because, oh, his interactions were, oh, the amount of times, there was one time he literally called Joey a dog and imagined him as a dog. He, like, he didn't even think of him as a human. All the snide comments he'd throw the way, like, oh, look, it's the nerd herd. Or has Dorkfest not ended yet? Every time I see it, like, arguably a lot of those were probably every time just a cry for help. But obviously that help never really came because that's, that's, people didn't realise that about him. And in fact, that's why I think the Pharaoh and Kaiba did have such a close relationship because the Pharaoh was, I think, one of the only people who understood Kaiba. Yugi as well. They could both see through him and they could see the heart underneath. They could see the tortured soul. And Kaiba and the Pharaoh in particular, their rivalry developed because they had the mutual understanding and respect for each other. They both wanted to be the best and prove their skills. And that's why Kaiba's probably one true friend that he did make, the one he was closest with, was the Pharaoh because the two of them could very easily understand each other because they weren't as dissimilar as I think Kaiba would have liked to admit. And that's a very key part of his character is the relationship he has with the Pharaoh because that's the one person that understands him and understands why he is the way he is. Yes, Yugi as well, because Joey doesn't. Joey just fires back, oh, what you doing, rich boy? You know, whereas Yugi's a lot more, oh, Kaiba, you know, trying to be friendly with him and the Pharaoh never really having much of a friendly conversation because they're normally in duels, but he's trying to get through to him, like, look, I've seen your heart, Kaiba, you're a good person. And Kaiba's like, no, I just need to be the best. And that's that's a paraphrase of, of the really epic speeches that get given in Yu-Gi-Oh by a fucking retard um, at 1am in the morning. That's that's how I paraphrase, paraphrase Yu-Gi-Oh. Good job. But no, that's a key part of who he is. It is just a cry for help. And his pathological obsession with being the best stems from the way his father drilled him to constantly just overpower people. And if you're not the best, you're not good enough. That's what he was basically told his whole childhood. If you're not the best, you don't matter. You're not good enough. You're not important. So to Kaiba, being the best is the only way he can be relevant. And that is why he has pathological need to beat Yugi or to beat the Pharaoh, same person. It's because that's the only way he can feel validated as a person. People, He feels like people won't care about him or love him if he's not at the top. When in reality if he just let down his defences and, you know, started trying to form a connection with someone, he'd realise that people can love him for him, not just his money and not just because he's the best. Because the thing is, even if he isn't number one, and in my opinion he is, but, you know, the official duels show otherwise annoyingly, he's still a brilliant duelist and one of the most intelligent people in the world. You know, he probably is the most intelligent person in the world at this point. And he's a fucking genius. So he's got loads of impressive traits anyway. Number two in the world at Duel Monsters is nothing to fucking sneeze at, right? It's very good, but it, because of the pathological, I suppose, and mental beatings he got as a child, 
I don't think he ever had any physical beatings that I know of, but I can't remember. But he definitely mental beatings that he, he received. You know, he's got a pathological need that if I'm not the best, I'm not relevant and no one's going to care about me. So he's like, and he's then had to convince himself that he doesn't need anyone else. That You know, apparently needing someone else's help is a weakness to him. And he lives in his own, I suppose, deluded world where really it'd be so easy for him just to drop his defences. But he can't. He feels like relying on someone means he's weak. And if he's weak, he's not the best. And then he's not the strongest. And then he's not valued and loved. And it's a really violent circle of... Something that I suppose happens in the real world as well. If a child is neglected and not loved enough, they grow up with pathological inability to be close with people and a constant need to be the best, to, to actually finally prove themselves and make whoever it was that they were... They're just trying to get the affection from the person and they never can. And Kaiba's just trying to get the affection from the world around him because he hates his stepfather. He hates Gozaburo Kaiba with an absolute passion. So he's definitely not trying to get appreciation and affection from him. He doesn't care about him. He wants affection from the world around him to actually... He's the kind of person that would refuse a hug if you tried to give him give it to him. But he's probably one of the people who needs a hug the most. And that's the really tragic side of Seto Kaiba. The fact that he is a, a tragic character. And you feel sorry for him when you when you think of it like that. But that's the depressing side of the awesome character. Out of Zavindor. Now, now we can get onto the juicy stuff. Oh my god, is he an arsehole? Literally. <laughs> like, and I love him for it. This is more where I'm going to give my opinion on why I love him. But I sort of did it at the start. I can't really put it into any more words than he's a dickhead. But he's so fucking funny. I was watching one of these duels the other day with Alistair of the Orocalcos. And Alistair brings out this action figure that's like the bruised and like destroyed left remnants of this action figure that was his younger brother's who's been captured by the enemy in the dub or in the sub, he's been killed. And he's like, you know, and Kaiba's like, oh, you brought your favourite Dali, how sweet. And just antagonises him about this toy that belonged to this guy's, you know, dead brother. In fairness, the guy did assume a false identity, lure Kaiba somewhere and threaten to put him out of business. So Kaiba was in a bad mood at the time. And he had just been compared to his father, something else, stepfather, sorry, which also puts him in a very bad mood. But actually, when he found out he'd been duped, like, and this guy had brought him here to take his soul, the first thing he sort of said was, oh, you know, if you wanted an autograph, all you had to do was ask. And he's such an asshole because he would just put people down regularly, you know, calling Joey Wheeler a dog, as mentioned before. You know, insulting Yugi's friends and calling them pathetic and losers. And he is just the biggest prick in the world. His laugh, honestly, Seto Kaiba's laugh is immense. The best one he ever did was after the Battle City finals concluded and Yugi had beaten Merrick. Literally, he was that furious that he lost and he didn't win the tournament. He decided to blow up the island that the tournament was being held on, not really give the others a warning. They had to quickly find a way off the island. It blew up. 
everyone else was on the helicopter they found, thinking, oh, is Kaiba dead? Suddenly he's in his blue eyes white jet, just raising out the smoke, laughing, because he was like, ha, you know, you all thought I was dead. Also, I tried to blow you up. Ha, I'm going to go and do something else. I'm like, really? Really? How much of an egomaniac sociopath do you have to be? But, oh my God, is it so entertaining. His absolute brutal duel strategies where literally it's... I don't know what's more brutal. His actual monsters when they attack or the insults he throws his enemies way. He's a literal sociopath, but I love him. I can't... It's one of those things where... I just love anti-hero or those sort of characters. They're the sort of characters that resonate with me. And Kaiba's just the epitome of that. One of his favourite lines, and we're going to mention Dark Side of Dimensions again like I did in the last episode, but my god, is this such a good movie. One of my favourite Seto Kaiba lines of all time. This isn't even really a douchebag line. This is just fantastic writing that makes me laugh. So Yugi destroys another one of Kaiba's dragons. I think this is the third one in the duel he's managed to get rid of. And he just turns to Yugi and just so dry in his voice, so dryly just goes, you really hate dragons, don't you? And it's just that light. I remember I was in the cinema watching this in 2016, 2017, one of the two. And I genuinely started laughing because it's just so, it's such a Kaiba line. You know, he's seen some of his dragons be destroyed and he's just like, you know, you really hate dragons, don't you? And another, <laughs> and that's just, <laughs> yeah, okay. That's the point you're taking away from this Kaiba is that he hates dragons. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and, and then another line in the film, this isn't as funny, this is just cool. So he's about to lose to Aigami in their first duel. And uh, he manages to basically resurrect Obelisk the Tormentor and summon the Egyptian God card. And he's about to use Obelisk's special ability. And Aigami's like, no, my card prevents your monsters from using their special abilities. And then Kaiba just turns to him and goes, he's not a monster. He's a guard. And then just gets Obelix to punch the guy in the face. And it's just like, what a line. Kyber genuinely has some of the best lines. Honestly, and this is where it does it does hurt me a bit and contradict a bit, I suppose. Some of my favourite Kyber lines of all time are genuinely when he realises he's about to lose. Honestly, some of his... I can't think of any of the quotes because it's not what he says. It's just the way he just switches on a dime because Kyber is such a cool, calm and collected duelist. As a person, he's got, he's that cold of a person and personality that, you know, he doesn't show any emotion really. He's just so cool, calm and collected. He's a true sociopath really. But the moment he realises he's about to lose that all switches and he goes into a frenzy like, no, that's not true. I can't lose. This is impossible. I can't lose at my own tournament. And they, someone should make a compilation of Kyber's freakouts when he realizes he's about to lose a duel, you know, because he loses his shit. Battle City is amazing when he just realizes that, shit, is this it? I'm about to lose. This can't can't be possible. Or the moment where Joey managed in a duel to use enemy controller to steal one of Kyber's blue eyes. Oh, you should have seen the guy. 
The minute someone touched one of his blue eyes white dragons, Jesus Christ, he flipped on a dime to really angry very, very quickly. Like, my God, man. It just flip on a dime, man. <laughs> but it's brilliant. It's just perfect characterization that, yes, he tries to keep his cool at all, all times, keep it in. But where he does feel so unloved, any tiny pokes to the wrong areas and he'll snap. It's another sign of his psychosis where he gets defensive, especially if he feels like he's about to lose, because that means he's not valued or important and he won't get the love he, he secretly craves. So the way he just switches in those moments is really telling of his character, but also quite comical to watch. And I love him for that. And I, I touched on how he got very annoyed when someone took one of his Blue Eyes White Dragons in a duel and used it against him. Uh, using the enemy controller card to steal it from Kyber's field. And I suppose we should go away to explain why Kyber why Kyber has such a love for his blue eyes white dragons. And basically in ancient Egypt, uh, the spirit of the blue eyes white dragon was was in was in this girl and that girl was basically Kyber's girlfriend. Right? They never officially dated, but it was very clear that he he loved this and cared for this woman very very much, and she was the person who housed the spirit of the blue eyes white dragon. Um, so that's one reason he has a connection to it. But even more so, there was a point where she obviously the blue eyes white dragon was then a part of her, and to unleash it, it caused a big amount of stress on her. So she couldn't actually control it because the blue eyes was that powerful. She couldn't control when she released it. But subconsciously, if someone she cared about was ever in danger, she'd release the dragon to protect her, to protect that person, not even herself, someone she cared about. She never released it to protect herself. And the person she did that most for was actually Kyber. And so the connection with the blue eyes was there to formed. And eventually she ends up to save Kyber from his evil father in ancient Egypt, this is obviously pre-Seto now, not modern Kyber, she actually gives her life to fully give him the power of the Blue-Eyes White Dragon so that she will always be able to protect him. And she does. She basically does this. She, she saves Kyber from dying, basically, by causing her own death. And her last will is then that the White Dragon shall protect Kyber forever. And he shall have its power to protect him and to defend the people he then cares about. But the dragon is there to protect him. And that is why. And whilst he doesn't even really fully realise this, he gets hints in the later seasons, in the last season. But I don't think he ever really fully understands that his love for the blue eyes is no coincidence. It's not just because they're powerful cards and he wanted powerful cards in his deck. The blue eyes has basically been there to watch over him for all time. And that connection is there. That connection with Kisara is now in modern day through those cards. I would have thought it would be really cool if she actually got reincarnated as well. And he got to meet a reincarnated version of her. But at the same time, you can see that that bond is still there through how much he cares for his blue eyes white dragon cards. In fact, in his duel with Ishizu back in uh, the quarterfinals of the Battle City tournament... He almost attacks with Obelisk and loses, but the blue eyes actually calls out to him and sort of shows him visions that makes him actually 
use his blue eyes to win the duel instead. And if he'd used Obelisk, he would have lost. So the, the connection with blue eyes is that strong that it can actually call out to him on a subconscious level and make him and influence him. And so that bond is definitely very strong. And that's why he has such a love for his, uh, for his precious blue eyes, white dragons, uh, a love that I strongly have for my blue eyes, white dragons as well. I don't know if that's because in ancient Egypt, I had a super hot girlfriend that had the spirit of one inside them. If that is the case, that's super cool. And it explains why I love my dragons. If not, maybe it's just, you know, you can't judge people. It's 2020 guys. It's 2020. Give me a break. <laughs> Kaiba has a dragon fetish too. Let's not deny it. But yeah, so it was a very tragic story with her. And that is why he definitely, definitely, definitely has such a connection to, uh, to his blue eyes. But in the original manga, before it became solely about the dual monsters game, how he acquired his three blue eyes, white dragons were, uh, yeah, it wasn't very tasteful. And uh, I'm not sure that... Uh, no, I'm glad this was uh, taken out of the Door Monsters uh, section when the, the manga basically got revamped into the new storyline. Because one guy, he refused to sell it to Kaiba. Kaiba basically said, I can pay any price. The guy was like, no, I'm not selling it. So uh, Kaiba forced the company that that guy owned to go bankrupt so that um so that the guy was forced to sell the car to kaiba just to stop himself from becoming homeless and broke uh that's not the worst one by the way he he went very tame on that one uh the next guy he just sent a few of his thugs around to beat the shit out of the guy and steal the card um beat the guy to to near death mind you um once again still not the worst one the uh the third and final one and this is why I'm really glad it was taken out from the what I will now cast as the canon storyline, because this would sort of ruin his character for me, if I'm honest, because this is too dark for even Kaiba. He um he convinced the, the third guy to to commit suicide. And then when the guy was dead, he just uh, he took the card. Um, but that was the nature of the original Yu-Gi-Oh manga. If, if you read the original material before it became Duel Monsters, <clears throat> sorry it was very dark and yugi was going around murdering people as well so it was made for a much more mature audience the original one <clears throat> sorry what's going on in my throat that's sorry it's hay fever i'm getting all blocked up um but yeah so i'm glad that was removed but it's still an interesting thing about his character but it's not a canon part of his character that I consider to be who Seto Kaiba is in the modern incarnation because they changed the storylines ever so slightly and this was never confirmed to be canon in the new storyline. I like to think he acquired the new ones, maybe not entirely legally, but uh, he acquired them without having to kill anyone or uh, convince them to kill themselves, uh, which obviously is something completely wrong and unjust, not condoning that in any way and this is why i'm separating that as a different version of kaiba because if that was the case i can verify now he would not be one of my favorite characters because that's that's wrong but obviously that was for a much darker story at the time which was then changed when it became door monsters so 
Archiver didn't do that. Archiver is a very, he's still a very, very, very big arsehole. But not that much of an arsehole. Let's, let's face it, he'd, he'd never do that, although he did kidnap and, you know, sort of beat up. Did he beat up? He beat him in a card game, Yugi's grandpa, to get the third blue eyes, fourth blue eyes white dragon card, and then ripped it in half so that it couldn't be used against him. Right, so okay, he's still a bit of a knobhead, but not as bad. But him being a knobhead is why I love him so much. He's the one guy who I'd ever let get away with ripping a Yu-Gi-Oh card, especially a blue eyes white dragon card. Because he did it for the pure reason that he didn't want its power to ever be used against him. Only he could have the power of the blue eyes. Like, what an egomaniac. You've got three in your deck. This was at a point where you didn't have to tribute summon, so you could just play them all without having to worry anyway. You've got three, and you're stressing, oh, there's one more in the world, because in the actual show there's only four ever made. There's one more in the world. I'm going to rip it in half so that no one, no one can ever potentially use it against me. What an egomaniac. But I love him. And <laughs> he is just such a fleshed out character from his tortured background to the to the now suffering soul you see. And that's, I think, why I love him so much. Because he's not just an arsehole for the sake of being an arsehole. He had a horrible past that caused him to be what he is. But he's funny as well. Like, yeah. <laughs> is it funny, him being such a dickhead? Maybe not to everyone, but to me, he just makes it so funny. But I love those sort of cool characters anyway, like the ones who are sort of too cool for school, you know, just your anti-heroes, the ones who aren't goody two-shoes characters. I, I've never really been one for goody two-shoes characters. Like, I like Captain America, but he's not. I don't like Superman at all. Yugi's great, but they're all... Uh, Goku I like as well, but positive characters in that respect who are just good and are just wholly good and there's not really any flaws to that there are flaws but they're not bad people they're just completely good they're great but i find far more enjoyment in completely flawed characters who yeah are good but they're bad at being good like kyber's a good guy but he's an egomaniac tony stark is a good guy but he's an egomaniac vegeta is a good guy but he's an egomaniac. Darth Vader is a bad guy, but he's just completely flawed and was an egomaniac. Okay, there's a theme here. Maybe I'm just attracted to egomaniacs. Yeah, that probably explains why I grew up the way I am. I idolised these characters. So that makes sense. But all of them as well have very complex reasons to why they are the way they are. A lot of which comes down to fathers, father figures, and their childhood. Oh, shit. All four of them, it comes down to a father figure of some kind and a shit childhood. You, I know some of you are saying, but Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker didn't have a father. Yeah, that's the fucking problem. He spent his whole life looking for a father figure and found one in Palpatine. That's where it went wrong for him. So... Father figure being an issue because Tony Stark's father was a dick to him. Kyber's father was a dick to him. Vegeta's father was just a dick. Um, and probably, you know, he was quite nice to Vegeta, but he was still a dick. And and they all just had rough childhoods. Vegeta was, you know, his planet was blown up and his parents died. And he was forced into slavery as a as soldier for someone he didn't even really like. You know, uh, 
Darth Vader shit childhood was a slave and then was kidnapped by a monk by a monk order and then who's the other people I said Iron Man his father was a dick his parents were killed even Batman whose parents were actually quite nice to him but his parents were killed Kyber parents were killed and then his stepfather was a dick to him I think we just analysed the kind of characters that I like I've come to an epitome epitome that's not the right word epiphany in my own episode that I have a type hmm interesting but all these things are what makes Kuiper so interesting as a character he has the layers he's not just one dimensional I'm an asshole <laughs> he's I'm an asshole but I have reasons and I'm also kind of likable when you think about it and and it's the fact that they managed to make him so likable while still being the biggest arsehole in history that makes him stand out to me. And yes, part of that comes down to the fact that I'm also obsessed with the Blue-Eyes White Dragon. I love the Blue-Eyes White Dragon. It's my favourite Yu-Gi-Oh card, uh, in, in big part due to the show. And I have an attraction to it for the same reason Kyber does. It's, it's representative of pride and power, which are two things that resonate with me, much like I do with Kyber. I'm a very prideful person and uh, I'm a power-hungry person. So, <laughs> you know, there's those connections there. And <clears throat> the more I talk about it, the more I realise that I grew up to to be like Seto Kyber, which makes me even happier that I cosplayed as him um, for, for Comic-Con, which was the best moment of my life. I got to pretend I was Seto Kyber for a day and that was freaking awesome. Because I love him. I don't think I've said that enough in this episode. I don't know if you noticed, but the subliminal message of this episode is I love him for Seto Kaiba. Um, which, ironically enough, is what he needs in life. He needs some love and affection. He needs someone to tell him that everything's going to be okay. And that he is loved, he is valued, and he is important. And to me, he definitely is important. He is a character that definitely... He made my childhood so great. I loved watching Kaiba. And even influences me today to the point I've still got my Blue Eyes White Dragon deck. Yes, that comes down to a love for Blue Eyes. But I think Blue Eyes was also made as good because it was played by one heck of a duelist. And that duelist is Seto Kaiba. Now, another little bit of trivia I'll throw in nearer the end of the episode, which is now, is that Kaiba was based off a real-life person. Kazuki Takahashi, the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! heard a rumour of a friend of his that uh, wanted to learn to play a card game and uh, his friend then said oh I know a guy who's really good at the game so why don't we ask him to teach you so they, they approach the guy and he goes huh, no I'll only teach you if you collect 10,000 cards and bring them to me and it was that sort of stuck up looking down your nose like you're not good enough to even be in the same room as me that uh, went on to inspire Seto Kaiba himself, the arrogant, egotistical, power-hungry, but tragic uh, rival of the Yu-Gi-Oh! franchise, and uh, the hero of my heart. Well, second, Darth Vader's still my hero, Kaiba's very much second. Which of the two characters I feel like I grew up to be like the most? Um, should I be worried? Maybe. Although, if I carry on like this... I'm either going to end up in a really cool robot suit with a really cool mask and breathing sound effects or I'm going to end up as a super rich guy with a blue eyes white jet. So if I carry on on this trajectory, I end up okay. 
I'm now realizing that by the end of this episode, this might have become more of a character study of me than it has of Kyber. And I'm okay with that because this bonus episode, the bonus episodes are either designed to be a continuation of points I hadn't yet said or a more relaxed version of, a, of an already really relaxed show. Um, you Have Failed is a very light entertainment show at the end of the day, so that's fine. And yeah, so this is a, has been a character study of Seto Kaiba and apparently of Say Invader as well. Um, maybe I should seek professional help. And <laughs> now I'm doing great. Speak because, you know, I had three duels against my brother today. Won all three duels without losing a single life point. Because basically he's shit and I've got blue eyes, white dragons. That balances it out. Basically, he plays a Yugi style deck because he got a structure deck and he's happy with that. And I play a blue eyes deck because I've built this over years of my life. And it plays out how Yugi and Kyber's duel should work because Yugi's deck is actually re in reality shit. Kyber's is really good. So this plays out how it should play out in the anime because, you know, when someone's actually got a decent deck, they tend to win. And, uh, yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry. That's not true. No, I'm not. Thank you so much for listening, guys, because do I need to? Do I need to? Oh, I suppose. Yeah, I'm being told. Yeah, I need to give a verdict. As if it's not obvious, Seto Kaiba, you have not failed in being my favourite character in the Yu-Gi-Oh! franchise and second favourite character of all time. I love you, man. There goes my hero. He's Seto Kaiba. Do, do, do. A little bit of Foo Fighters for you there. Foo Fighters fans and uh, more singing. Okay, that I am sorry for. But <laughs> Kaiba, you have not failed. And, uh, yeah, maybe I have, though. That's that's a discussion for another time. And that discussion will not be had. So thank you so much for listening, guys. I really do appreciate it and all the support. Please do follow the Twitter pages and join the Discord. And I will see you on Tuesday for the next proper episode of You Have Failed with me, Sam Vader.